Good evening to everyone. Um, no, I am not Tony. I have not found the Fountain of Youth. I am Ryan. <laughs> Welcome, everybody. Um, Tony is actually in Vineland tonight. He's teaching the church there. They asked him to speak, and uh, he asked me to speak tonight um, and to do our ones in that church. And so I love teaching not only just the Word of God in general, but I love teaching here because I believe that just in general, as the church body is considered to be the family of God, in every individual church, this is a unique family. This is our little family. And so I feel like I'm not doing a presentation, but I kind of just feel like I'm just talking to my mom, my dad, my brothers, and my sisters, you know? So I'm really excited to uh, to speak tonight. I was going to say talk, but um, I think what the Lord has spoken to me is a... uh, is a unique study specific for our church. You know, the Bible says that the Word of God is profitable, right, for teaching, for correction, for reproof, and for rebuke. And that means the entire Bible, right? And so, essentially, what we're going to be at tonight is in Philemon. And so what we're going to do is we're going to read Philemon, and we're going to let Philemon speak to us, and I'm trying to mess around with this iPad, it's just not working. It's not working. We're going to let Philemon speak to us, and we are going to try to get as far as we can, but we're going to use every single portion of Scripture that is in Philemon for what God has spoken to us tonight. So why don't we turn there, and we're just going to read it, we're going to pray through it, and we're just going to pick apart piece by piece. Alright, so it says, Paul... A prisoner for Christ Jesus and Timothy, our brother. To Philemon, our beloved fellow worker, and Epiphia, our sister, Archippus, our fellow soldier, and the church in your house. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers, because I hear of the love and of the faith that you have towards the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. Accordingly, though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required, yet for love's sake, I prefer to appeal to you. I, Paul, an old man and now a prisoner also for Christ Jesus, appeal to you, For my child Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. I am sending him back to you, sending my very heart. I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel. But I prefer to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion, but of your own accord. For this is perhaps why he was parted from you for a while, that you might have him back forever. No longer as a bondservant, but but more than a bondservant, as a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. So if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. If he has wronged you at all, or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it. To say nothing of you owing me, even your own self. 
Yes, brother, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I say. At the same time, prepare a guest room for me, for I am hoping that through your prayers I will be graciously given to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends greetings to you, and so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with your spirit. This is the word of God spoken to the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let me pray. Lord, we have come tonight because we believe you have written this word not only thousands of years ago for us, but thousands of years ago for them. Lord, we are confident that your word that was spoken is divine. And we believe that when your word says that it is profitable, we stand on that truth in faith. And so, Lord, we ask that you are gracious to us and that you help us understand your word and that you anoint us, Lord, with your spirit so that, Lord, not only my teaching can be anointed by you and that every word I say is not vain, but it is anointed by you and that it flows graciously into the ears of the listener, God but also that those who do listen can take your word and grow from it, God. So Lord, we look forward to how you are going to prepare and to teach this sermon, because I certainly will not. We love you, God, and we look forward to the good things you have for us. And our whole church agreed in saying, Amen. I have a question before we uh, get into our sermon as I normally do. Set that just a little bit. Have you ever met somebody that, when you first met them, they were like, you know, you introduce yourself, hey, I'm Ryan Meza, I'm a Christian. And they go, oh yeah, uh, I'm a Christian too. And then over time, as you're, you know, hanging out with them, you're working with them, you're just kind of doing life among them, you realize this dude, this lady, is probably just as much of a Christian as Satan is. And they have no association to God whatsoever. Have you ever met someone like that? Like someone that they boast, right, in Christ, and they say, I'm a Christian, and then you're like, but man, where were you last night? What the heck? I'm not saying that in a condemning way, but we've all certainly met those kind of people. I know for me specifically, a big culture thing out here in New Jersey is a lot of people wear crosses around their neck, you know? I think it's just a maybe a cultural thing, maybe, I don't, I don't know why it is. In California, that's not the case. And so when I came out here, I foolishly would go up to people wearing crosses around their neck and go, oh, you're a Christian, what church do you go to? And they what? That's a crop. okay, never mind. But it seems that like, so much, so much more in this day and age, I would assume, that there are people who walk around and they kind of have this title of Christian on their lifestyle. I mean, sorry, just on their life, but their lifestyle does not resemble that, right? And so I want to talk about that tonight because our main idea is specifically about that. It comes from Colossians 2.6 and it says this. It says, so as you have received Christ, so walk in him, right? It's kind of a weird verse. You kind of think about that. How do I walk in Christ? 
right? It's when you first think about it, you think of it as a physical side of like, how do I walk? It's kind of like a like a puppet thing, but it's more so along the lines of the way Christ lived His life. You do the same thing, and so we're going to be looking at that here in Philemon, which is interesting because when you read Philemon, it's not about that. Paul's not saying, "Hey, look, this is how you're supposed to live your life as a Christian," as maybe he would in Romans. Or maybe in Galatians, as he's giving a corrective kind of letter to the people there at the church and saying, hey, this is what's going on, you need to fix it, right? But what's happening here in Philemon is that this is a literal letter. This is a one-page piece of paper that Paul might have ripped and said, before you go, I'm going to send him a little bit of encouragement. Because at this time, Paul was in Rome and he was imprisoned. And he wrote three total letters. He wrote Ephesians, he wrote Colossians, And he wrote Philemon. And the guy that took these letters was a guy named Onesimus, right? And so you can imagine this guy, Onesimus, he has in one hand, he has two letters, which would be Colossians and which would be Ephesians. And then he's going to Philemon. He says, listen, I know there's some sort of awkward tension between you and me. And this letter is to adjust that, is to address that. And that letter, that little one page, little index card of a letter that we're reading tonight, was so powerful, was so dense, was so deep in spiritual truth, that the Holy Spirit took that and associated it with, with books like Romans, with books like John, with books like every other book in the Bible. This is just a little index card, a little side note, a little bit of a, hey, by the way, show love to this guy, and made it into scripture. Paul wrote countless amount of letters to everybody all over Europe. Every single individual that he had contact with, he was talking to at some point in time. And this little letter was so dense, was so true, that the Holy Spirit added this to what we have in today in, in what's called our Bible, right? And so the reason why I'm saying that is because there is so much dense truth that we're going to take from this. And I can't simply say, hey, Philemon is a book about Paul being told, or Paul telling Philemon to have forgiveness to the, this guy, Onesimus. I feel like that is so just vanilla. But and so when I, when I, when I was digging into Philemon, and when I was finding the golden truth, because here's, here's the concept of being a preacher, is that you, as the listener, the congregation, the church, the bride of Christ, are obligated to hear truth from God. That is your right. In the same way as Americans have the right to free speech, it is your right to hear truth from the Word of God. That's why Paul says, hey listen, not everybody should be a pastor, because you receive more judgment. Because it is my job, to fulfill that right. Does it make sense? So, as I am thinking about that, okay, it is your right to hear truth. It is my job to dig into this. And so what I found in my study and in my digging of Philemon, I found two concepts of Philemon. The first one is ministry as a whole. I'm going to be honest, this is going to take up most of our time. And I do believe this is what the Holy Spirit has put on my heart to teach from Philemon. I believe God wants to say to our church tonight and say, listen, this is how the church, this is how a pastor, this is how a biblical individual has received Christ and so walks in him. Does that make sense? That's what I believe is going to be a majority of our night because let's be honest, no one in this room needs to be told, hey, listen, your former slave, you need to receive him as a brother. 
Now, we can take that message and we can say, well, why don't we talk about forgiveness? Why don't we talk about love? And those are good concepts. Those are good messages. But I truly believe what God wants to speak to our church is about the church. It is about church. It is about Sunday morning, Wednesday nights. It is about how we, as from left to right, function. And it is our duties and it is our position in the church. And so we read through the letter and we understand, okay, we know what's going on. Paul's talking to Philemon, a little bit of context, Philemon's the pastor in Colossae, so he also receives the book of Colossians. So Paul's writing to him, and he's saying, hey look, you had a slave back in the day, you weren't a Christian back, back at this time, and you were a very wealthy man, and this slave, his name was Onesimus, right? And what happened was that when you became saved, when you became a Christian, because what happened was Paul went to Colossae, And he was teaching, and he was ministering, and he actually discipled Philemon. Philemon becomes a believer, and Onesimus, seeing the change in Philemon's life of probably kindness and compassion coming, took that as an opportunity to steal from Philemon and to run away. And he did that. But he wasn't trying to somehow get an edge on life. He was trying to get out of there. So he runs to the biggest city on planet Earth at this time, and that's Rome. And he's trying to hide. He's trying not to be noticed by anybody. But he gets noticed by the same guy that discipled his master, Philemon. And so now Paul's in prison. And he's ministering to this guy who's also in prison because he got arrested. Philemon. Or sorry, Onesimus. I'm going to be a little mixy on that. We're going to try to do a little bit better. So Onesimus gets arrested. Paul's arrested for just being a believer. And they're in prison. And Paul's ministering to this dude. And Paul says, as you saw in Philemon, in in the latter part of the chapter, he says, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Right? So uh, Onesimus, there we go, he became saved in prison. And we understand that the whole purpose of this letter was saying, hey, listen, your former slave came to me. I'm sending him back to you to undo what was uh, wrongly done. We understand that's what the letter is. But to us, we're talking about the church here. And so we're going to talk about how Paul had received the Lord Jesus and he so walks in him. So we're going to be spending a little bit of time in the first like three verses. So hang on with me. let's, let's Let's read verse one through three. It says, Paul, a prisoner. If you have your Bible and if you like to underline in your Bible, underline prisoner. Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus. Timothy, our brother. To Philemon, our beloved worker. Epiphia, our sister. And Archippus, our fellow soldier. Another term, underline that, soldier. And the church in your house. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. If you probably are listening, you notice that I emphasize every single title that Paul gave. Did you pay attention to that? I said, Paul a prisoner. Timothy and Epiphia, brothers and sisters, right? Because when the Holy Spirit anointed Paul to write this letter, and when Paul was writing this letter, he didn't just throw out these terms lazy. He threw out these terms for a specific reason. And so when I'm reading this, I have to understand, Paul says, I'm a prisoner for Christ. Why is he doing that? Because by Paul writing this letter to Philemon, and by him, the very first words he's saying is, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ. He's telling Philemon two things. The first thing he's telling him, hey, I want you to know I'm in prison right now. Back then, they didn't have uh, speedy ways of communication. If you wanted to let somebody know what's going on, you wrote a letter. That's exactly what he's doing here. There was no way for Philemon 
to have any sort of tabs on Paul. And so by Paul saying, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, he's saying, hey Philemon, I'm in jail right now. I'm writing to you from jail. Is the first thing. The second thing is he's talking about his own dedication for the gospel of God. Right? And I believe that this right here is not, if not the most, it is one of the most important things in this letter as a whole. Because if Paul was not a prisoner, Onesimus could never be a brother. Does that make sense? Because think about it. We just read this whole letter. We understand that what Paul's about to do is to tell this guy Philemon, hey, look, your former slave that stole from you, who probably hurt your family in some way, that puts you in some debt and probably put you back a few months, take him back. But not as a slave, as a brother. So Paul's going to ask him to do something very difficult. But listen, I'm not going to tell you to do something I want to do myself. Do you, do you see that? So our first concept that we're looking at is how a leader walks in Christ. You want to be a leader in your marriage? You want to be a leader at your job? You want to be a leader in your relationship? You want to be a leader at XYZ? You never tell somebody to do something that you yourself will never do. So Paul's about to ask him, hey, take back your former slave. But I'm in prison as I'm asking this. I'm doing something way worse. I am enslaved right now. I am literally in chains because of my faith in Christ. And as I'm going to ask you to receive your brother back, or to receive your slave back as a brother, I want you to know, this is not something that I would not do myself. And I believe that that is extremely important for Philemon to know, because this right here is going to be one of the vital pieces that would cause Philemon to do it, right? But also a few things. By Paul saying, I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ, he's making known to Philemon that the purpose of what's going on is that it's not a, it's, it's not a byproduct of some sort of hatred from the Jews. It's not a byproduct from some sort of hatred from Rome, which by looking at history, we know that that actually happened. There was hatred from Rome. Paul's saying, I'm not in prison because of hatred from Rome. I'm not in prison because of circumstances. My life doesn't suck because of circumstances. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, I am a prisoner of Jesus Christ. This is not a circumstance. This is not what he's identifying himself. He's not saying, I am, you know, in prison right now. He's saying, this is my badge of office. This is what I'm doing. This is how I'm serving the Lord right now. And I think that what I have to, as an individual, avoid myself from is this mindset of when my life goes negative... I have a bad tendency to go like, man, I guess God didn't like me today. You know, man, why, God, why are you being so hard to me today? What did I do? You know, Paul wasn't like that. He wasn't like, I'm in prison because of Jesus. He's not saying that. Man, if I would have never became a Christian, I would have still been in Jerusalem with my, you know, nice house with this and with this and with that and with that. Now, he's not saying I'm in prison because of Jesus. He's saying I'm in prison for Jesus. And the question that gets prompted from that moment is how far would you go for the sake of Christ? How much would you do for Christ? How much would you, uh, I guess, take on for the Lord? And so I want to emphasize, you know, my first point is this, that the mark of any leader is not by the amount or the type of commands 
this guy can bark out, and I emphasize barking as a dog. If you want to be a leader, it's not about barking out commands. It's not about saying, hey, because I'm an apostle, I'm going to command you to do this. The mark of a leader is by example. The mark of a leader is by servitude first. You know, Jesus himself said that the greatest among you will become the least, right? And so Paul also said in, uh, in you know, 1 Corinthians 11, 1, he says, be imitators of me as I imitate Christ, you know? Um, and, and he also said in Romans chapter 2, he said, You then who teach others, do you not teach yourself? While you preach against stealing, do you steal? You who say that one must not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who boast in the law, dishonor God by breaking the law. In other words, this is what Paul's saying. He's saying, I have such a high standard for myself. I put myself at such a high standard of living so that I can be in a position where I can disciple and minister to guys who might be younger than me, uh, younger than me or guys who are maybe lower on the totem pole in ministry, if that is even a thing. You know? And so he has such a high standard, you know, because God has a high standard. God has a high standard for his preachers. God has a high standards, you know, for his shepherds, right? And it's because of his imprisonment that he was able to, you know, tell Philemon, hey, this is what I want you to do, right? And I believe this is the most important uh, aspect here in this story, you know? And personally for me, you know, uh, last week I did a Tough mutter. You know, do you guys do you guys know what a tough motor is? You know what a tough motor is. Raise your hand. It's a it's a pretty difficult race. You know, I did it with I did it with Tommy, I did it with Chris Kiefer, and I did it with one of his friends. You know, and I remember there was this time when I'm I'm running and there's this huge obstacle in front of me, and there's mud and there's water and there's all these things that are swinging like this. And I'm like, okay, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. And there's two lanes. There's the easy lane on the left, and there's the harder lane on the right. And so I'm going, I'm like, man, I'm already tired. I'm going to go on the left lane. And sure enough, I'm waiting there. I'm waiting for my turn. I'm waiting for my turn. And I look over to my right, and I see Tommy, Chris, and his friend all getting in the hard lane. And I go, well, man, looks like we're doing the hard one today. You know, because of their example, because of what they were doing, because they all together were like, no, let's challenge ourselves. Let's go in the tough lane. I was like pressured to go over into, into their lane and to go and to do the obstacle. And the obstacle, honestly, it banged me up pretty hard, you know, but it was worth it. You know, and so all that to say that Paul made sure that before he ever told anybody anything, he was always checking his 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 own life. You know, David said in, in, in Psalms, he said, Lord, seek my heart and find if there is any sin within. You know, seek me out, search me out, oh God, is what David would say, right? And so before Paul would say anything, he's like, Man, I will be the first person. You know, I work in, I work as an HVAC, you know, so I'm in crawl spaces all the time. And so the way that translates to me is that I got to be the first guy going underneath the house. You know, I got to be the first guy eating the insulation, you know, because if I want to be a leader, I have to have already been living a life of example. If I want to be able to inspire somebody else to greatness, I have to already be eating the worst of it. Does that make sense? And so Paul, he demonstrates, okay, this is how I am walking in Christ. I'm walking as an example, right? And so this right here, this demonstrates Paul's character, right? And the importance that it had in Philemon's life. We don't only see Paul's character, but we see that Paul and Philemon had some sort of discipleship relationship back in the past, right? And so through scripture, we can see that Paul's teaching instructed Philemon to lead a church, 
Because what we understand is that what happened was that when Paul was in Colossae and when Philemon got saved, he went and he changed his life around and he started a church. And as we see in verse two, it says in his own house. Right. And so because of Paul's discipleship and telling him, hey, Philemon, this is the way things go. I want you to pay attention to who his his staff was on his church. Right. He says uh, he says to Philemon, our beloved fellow worker. Right. So that's how we know that this guy's the pastor, your fellow worker. That means this is your nine to five, your everyday job. That's like our pastor, Tony. Right. He shows up every day for this purpose. Right. And who we have next. We have Epiphia, our sister. OK. Um, notice how. Timothy is just a brother. Epiphia is just a sister. But we, we know so much about Timothy, and we're going to use our knowledge about Timothy to define who this Epiphia individual is. And then we have Archippus, our fellow soldier. right? And so what I want to say about this is that this right here demonstrates the kind of people Philemon had around him. Some people said that Epiphia was his wife and that Archippus was his son. But either way, what we, what we know is that Paul wouldn't just be giving these people these titles for no reason. What do we know about Timothy? Timothy was, Phile- was, uh, was Paul's... Man, I'm going to be messing with those names all night. Um, Timothy was Paul's assistant. You know, and as, again, I have a uh, trade world mind, so to me, I'm thinking apprentice. I'm thinking that Timothy was the guy that ran back and forth from the trucks to grab the tools. Timothy was the guy that would pick up the trash after Paul. Timothy was the guy that was doing the grunt and the labor work. He was the guy that said, Paul, anything you need, I got it. Epiphia here has the same type of title, but just switched gender-wise. Right? She's a sister. Okay? And then who do we have next? We have Archippus, a fellow soldier. So the idea of soldier is such an important word and is so valued, it is only used twice in the entire Bible. So before I get onto that, because I know I'm going to get passionate on that, I want to talk about Epiphia. I want to talk about her and what she did in this little home church. Whether or whether or not she was Philemon's wife, the Bible does not tell us that she was Philemon's wife, because the Bible wants you to know, as the reader, that her ministry that she was doing is not only exclusive to the wife of the pastor, and it's also not only exclusive to women. In other words, this is what I'm saying. Epiphia was the individual in the church that said, Philemon, anything you need, whether it be this, whether it be that, whether you need me here, whether you need me there, say the word, it's done. That's the kind of individual Philemon said, that's who I need on my ministry board. That's who I need showing up every morning to help me out. Because she was not showing up to events that Philemon planned saying, okay, this is what we're going to be doing. And then then she shows up out of protest saying, no, Philemon, I think we should be doing it this way. I think we should be doing it that way. She wasn't like that. She showed up and she supported. Timothy does the same thing to Paul. He shows up and he supports. You understand that? So the church needs those kind of people. Specifically, we go back from you know year 75 to year 2019. So now we're here and now we're looking at our own selves. Then we can say, if Philemon needed that, how much more does Pastor Tony need that? If, he need, if Philemon needed somebody to show up back in that day, how much more does our pastor need that? Does that make sense? Our pastor needs somebody who's going to do that. Our pastor needs somebody who's going to show up and say, whatever you need, whether you need me here in Atlantic City, whether you need me there in Egg Harbor Township, whether you need me here 
doing the Christmas box, whether you need me there, you know, cooking food or whatever, say the word, I'm there. Why? Because I'm your brother. Because I'm your sister. Because this is what I'm going to do. It doesn't have any sort of requirements for that role. This is anybody and anyone who's willing to say, hey, here I am, Lord, send me. The next individual, who is it? It's Archippus. Check this out. This is the only time, uh, one of two times in the Bible when this title is mentioned. If you want, turn the Bible to Philippians chapter 2, and we're going to look at the only other time Paul says this individual is a soldier of Christ. Philippians chapter 2, verse 25. Turn your Bibles there. We're going to check it out what it says. Philippians chapter 2. It's right after Ephesians. The way I know that is because I always say to myself, God eats popcorn. Philippians chapter 2, verse 25, it says, But I think it necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier, there it is, who is also your messenger, who you sent to take care of my needs. For he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. And he was. And he almost died. But God had mercy on him. And not only him, but me also, to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I am all the more eager to send him, so that when you see him again, you may be glad, and I might have less anxiety. Isn't that something? So then welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honor people like him. Notice this, underline this. It says, because he almost died for the work of Christ, he risked his life to make up, for the help you yourselves could not give me. So here's what's happening in Philippi. Paul goes in and he gets kicked out. And so what happens is the church that gets established there hears of this and they send Paul this gift. It's probably a little bit of money so that he could have been okay in the city that he was in. And they send it through this guy Epaphroditus. Right? And so what happens is that he's here serving Paul. He's sent on a mission and they say, hey, go help Paul. Go give him anything he needs. He shows up and he gets sick. Then he hears that the Philippian church is freaking out about him and he gets even worse. He's like, oh my gosh, these guys are freaking out about me. I just can't have that. I just, I'm trying to serve Paul and they're worrying about me and I just don't know what to do. And he got himself to a point of death because he was so committed to serving Paul, to making sure that everything Paul needed was there. Paul, whatever you need, say it. The definition of this guy starts with a C. It's called commitment. This guy put himself in between Paul and the world. This guy was kind of like a riot shield. You know, we've been seeing a lot of uh, problems going on in Hong Kong. And you see these, like, massive clashes of people in these protests. You know, and they have this massive wall of riot shield between these tear gas and the rocks and stuff like that. And... Epaphroditus was that guy to Paul. He was, the boy, he was the barrier between the world and between Paul because God had called Paul to a very specific ministry and Epaphroditus was not going to let anything stop that. Paul, you are called. What do you need? And he was so committed. He was, he was there and he was willing to give up his life. Which brings me to my second point. The church leadership that Philemon had around him were consisted of people so dedicated not to themselves, but to Philemon. And they were, they were willing to sacrifice themselves for the work of God. You see, 
in our church, Calvary Chapel Gateway, right here 2019, as we apply this text, God never, not once, intended any pastor across any board to do anything by himself. And we have a bit of a Superman pastor, do we not? And we see him, you know, it's on Sunday morning, and we're, you know, enjoying our coffee and our donuts. Man, these things get me good every time. And what are we seeing him do? We're seeing him wipe down the counters. What are we seeing him do? We're seeing him put the chairs away. Man, this dude, he's a superman. He's the kind of guy that says, hey, if everyone's sitting down having a good time, I'm going to make sure that I'm not. I'm going to make sure that everyone's taken care of. And every time, because, you know, Tony's going to be my father-in-law, right? But also, he's been grooming me to do this right here, to teach the Word of God. And he's, he always points to this specific passage. And it's the passage of when they're having the Last Supper. And they're all sitting there, and they're eating, and they're having a good time. And they're kind of looking around. And you have to imagine, these dudes stink. They've been walking around Judea all day long in the hot Mid-Eastern sun. And they're sitting there, you're like, man, where is the servant that's going to wash our feet? Where is he? You know? And Jesus, what's he do? He, he takes his clothes off, puts on a robe, grabs a bucket of water, and he starts doing it. And he says, so I have done to you, you do unto others. Man, that right there is a definition of ministry, right? And so we see him. We see, we see Pastor Tony. He's running around. He's cleaning everything up. He's making sure that everything's fine. It don't matter what it is. If it is women's tea or if it is men's breakfast, he's doing it. It's set up. It's perfect. Hey, let's give him a hand, right? Let's help him out. We need some people who are going to say, I'm going to go be that brother. I'm going to go be, you know, that soldier. Hey, whatever you need, I'm going to put myself in between the world and you. Why? Because it ain't about Tony. It ain't about me. It ain't about us. It's about Jesus. It's about that he has put every single one of us on this earth for one purpose, the redemption of humanity's soul. And he calls a few select people to come and to be in this position to receive the hate from the world. Because you got to come up here at some point in time and say, no, the world is, or sorry, the word of God does not believe in that. And you receive the hate, not them. And so we got to come up and we got to be his foundation. Can I get an amen on that? That's what we got to do. All right. And so let's continue. Because we talked about Paul and how he lives his life as a Christian. We talked about the church and how Philemon had a small little church meeting in, meeting in his living room and he had, he had two people helping him out, right? So now let's talk about Philemon. And now we're going to take an aspect, we're going to change it from Paul's perspective down to Philemon and we're going to change it from Philemon's perspective receiving it from Paul. Okay, so now we're in the eyes of Philemon. And what does Paul say? He says, I thank God, verse 4, and it says, I thank God... Uh, I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have towards the Lord Jesus for all the saints. And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. Verse 7, For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. Before Paul makes any intention to Philemon, you have to keep in mind, this, this message was sent to Philemon because he's going to deal with something pretty controversial. Think about it. Only up until three generations ago, slavery was all over the world. And people totally looked at another human being and said, yeah, I can probably buy you. 
and even to this day, you know, there's still regions. I mean, a uh, little side note, where I was from in California, uh, it's called Marietta, a little, little, little town there. Uh, it's one of the worst places for sex trafficking, you know, and you don't see it. You don't see it. You'll be you'll be walking into these little coffee shops, and you know there'll be just a girl there serving coffee or whatever, and the police will come out later and say, yeah, she was owned by like an eighty year old man that lived out in like L A something or L A or somewhere like that. It's 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 sad, but it's like this little city that the Bible College where I come from is planted at has su- such an issue, and to this day, slavery still exists. St- slavery certainly still exists, and back then. If you were wealthy, it was demonstrated by how many people you owned. And so Paul, being anointed by the Holy Spirit, is about to address that and is about to say, this is not of God. But before he even says, hey, this is what I want to talk about, what does he do? He says, hey, Philemon, yo, I've been praying for you. Whoa. You ever told somebody that before? You ever said, hey, Ryan, I've been praying for you. You ever said that before? I mean, not not me. I'm not saying that. But you ever you ever been, go up to somebody and say, "Hey, I have been praying for you." Notice the difference. I have been praying for you versus, "Hey, I'm going to pray for you." You feel that? You feel the difference? Really? You going to? Okay, whatever. Hey, Ryan, I've been praying for you. Whoa, you have? Now what I'm thinking is you've been thinking about me. Wow. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, thank you. He says, I thank my God always when you are in my prayers. Why? He says, because I remember, sorry, sorry, I hear of your love and of the faith you have towards the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. What does that mean? He's praying for you and he's paying attention. I got to say something. This is a little personal note, you know. When I moved here from California, I did so because I fell madly in love, you know. And... It was quite difficult, and sometimes it still is, you know, because you move to a land that's not yours. And, you know, I mean, you guys pronounce Buna the way we pronounce Buena. <laughs> you know, it's different. You know, I never knew what a hoagie was, you know. And uh, it was just kind of funny, you know. And it's, it was difficult, you know. You move thousands of miles away from your friends and your family, and, and it's hard, you know. And I'll be honest, there was moments when I kind of felt forgotten about when I kind of forgot, I kind of thought, like, man, you know, did my aunts and my uncles forget about me? Did they know that I'm in New Jersey doing what I'm doing? But when the moment comes, when someone like my dad or someone like my, you know, my best friends from college or high school or people that discipled me say, hey, Ryan, listen, I've been praying for you. I've been praying for you in Abbey because you guys are going to be getting married soon. I've been praying for your career in HVAC because I know that it's difficult. I've been praying for your ministry in New Jersey, and I pray that the guys uh, in your youth group are maturing in the, in the ways of the Lord. And when they say that, I think to myself, number one, you're praying for me. Number two, you're paying attention. Now, they do that because they have my Instagram. They do that because they have my cell phone number. Uh, Philemon and Paul had no contact but letter, and Paul was aware of what Philemon was doing. You see that? He says, because I hear, verse 5, of your love... And of the faith that you have towards the Lord Jesus. And it's not something. He's paying attention. What that means is that years ago, we could probably put a, a broad statement and say that was 30 years ago, that Philemon and Paul were in contact with one, are living right here in Colossae. They're ministering towards each other. Paul's kind of grooming this guy. He's saying, hey, this is how you teach the Bible, right? And then what happens is Paul goes around. Philemon stays. He's doing a church. He's being a pastor. And he says, listen, I've been, I've been praying for you. 
And I've been hearing that you've been doing these things. He's paying attention. And so how much more is it important? Man, we live in the days of cell phones. I got mine right here and I'm, I'm teaching off of an iPad, you know. How much more important is it to stay in the contact with those who we had similar relations with? I'm not saying you go and stay in contact with your ex. No, you drop, you drop them. What I'm saying is people that you had relationships with years ago. No, no, no. It's not like, a, oh, you know what? My season with Ryan and I is done. My season with whatever his name, her name is, where we were ministering to one another, is, is done. It's not like that. You see, I, I minister to this guy. His name's Luke. You know, you can be praying for him. He's up in Colorado. And every, time, every now and again, I'll, I'll call him up and I'll go, hey, Luke, how you doing? You know, how, how you been? And he, man, this guy's messed up. And if I was just to say, my, my season with Luke is done, how much, how much damage would that do to him? If Paul said, my season with Philemon is done, Onesimus would have never if he even breathed freedom. But Paul said, I'm going to stay in contact with this guy who I was discipling, who I was ministering to. Question, the guy that you were ministering to, the girl that you were ministering to, how many years ago? When was the last time you spoke with them? When was the last time you said, hey, I want you to know something. I've been praying for you. You've been on my heart. I see... Well, we got Facebook. This is easy. I see that you're going to police academy. I see that you just graduated with your degree in engineering. I see these things. I hear these things. I'm paying attention. Why? Because the life of Christ that, got, that, was, that I received, I am walking in it. And I love you. And so I'm paying attention and I'm praying for you. Keep in mind, why is Paul doing this? Because he's about to do something. Before Paul even does it, he says, Hey, I want you to know how much I love you. I want you to know how much I appreciate you. Right, And then we get to a point where he says, And I pray that the sharing of your faith, this is in verse 6, I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. Sometimes what happens when we're reading the Bible, we kind of get to this like um, Bible talk, when Paul just kind of sounds like Paul, and when Peter kind of sounds like Peter, when Jesus kind of sounds like Jesus, and you go, ooh, this is kind of confusing to read. Um... Excuse me, I don't know how to understand this, so I'm just going to kind of move on. You know, we kind of get to that Bible talk. You know, may the Lord of God, of grace, of mercies, you know, be your blessing forever and ever, whatever. We kind of get to those points, and at least I have a tendency to skip over it because I don't understand it. But again, as a preacher, it is your right to know what this is. So let's, let's dig into it. It says, in I, verse 6, pray that the sharing of your faith, the word sharing is this word in Greek, it's called koinonia. And the same word, koinonia, is referenced to when people are being generous with tithes. It's being generous with uh, giving, is what he's saying. So when you are giving your faith, finally, man, he says this. What is he praying for? He says, I pray that the sharing of your faith becomes effective for the full knowledge that you understand better, okay, every good thing that is in us, for the sake of Christ. So this is from one pastor to another pastor. He's saying that as you go up there every every Sunday morning, and as you teach the Word of God, and as you share your own heart with these individuals, that you yourself understand every good thing that is in us for Christ. Does that make sense? And the reason why that's important is because Paul says that whoever desires to be an overseer, a pastor, seeks a noble thing. I'm talking to you about ministry tonight. I'm talking to you about Epiphia, about Archippus. All these things wouldn't matter if I told you that those who seek to serve in ministry receive an eternal reward of knowing God better. 
Paul says, oh, to know Jesus, right? He says that you would understand God more. So the reason why I'm kind of up here saying, hey, who wants to be a brother or sister or, or a soldier? Is because right here he says there's a, there's a byproduct of that. The more you serve, the more you share, the more you teach, the more you learn, the more you hear, the more you understand. And so if you want to know God more, if you've been at a place where you're like, man, I just don't really think I understand God all that much. I think it's time to pick up the shovel. It's time to start picking up some, uh, you know, some toilet, toilet brushes and start helping out, start serving. Because that's what happens is that as you are serving, God blesses you with what? He doesn't bless you with a paycheck. He doesn't bless you with, uh, with a nice home. He blesses you with himself. That you know him more. Does that make sense? Isn't that crazy? I just got tingles, you know. That's kind of cool, you know. And I, and I just love that. Before, you know, think about it. And I, I've said this multiple times tonight. Before he even gets to a point of saying, hey, look, take this guy back as a brother. He's saying, I've been praying for you. I'm paying attention. And this is how I'm going to pray for you in the future. Do you understand that? And right there could be summarizing this. He knows what Philemon needs, Right? And so when you are going to share, and when you're going to minister to an individual, it kind of works in that order. Hey, I've been praying for you. I'm paying attention to what's going on. And here's how I'm going to pray for you going forward. Be specific when you say, I'm praying for you. Hey, I've been praying for you because I've been seeing you're a pastor. Hey, I've been praying for you because I've been seeing that, you know, your aunt just went through a divorce. Hey, I'm praying for you because I just saw that someone in your family died. And I see that what's happening is that you have to step up as a man in the family. And so I'm praying for you going forward that you understand God more and that He teaches you how to be a man. Do you understand that? Do you understand what I just did? That's how you minister to an individual because ministry, here's what we have to understand, is not just being up here. Ministry is every day. You go to work, you're you're working around with somebody, you're going to school, you're going to life, you're ministering to people. That's how you do it. And so... I'm going to end here soon, but I want you guys to see how this kind of plane takes off and how Paul did all that so he can get to a point of saying, hey, can you do this for me? Verse 8, accordingly, though I am bold enough in Christ to command you. Hey, he says this, accordingly, because I know I'm courageous to command you to do this thing. What does he say? Yet for love's sake, verse 9, I prefer to appeal to you. I, Paul, an old man, and now a prisoner for Christ Jesus, appeal to you for my child Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Formerly he was useless, now he is useful. I am sending him back to you, sending my very own heart. I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf. Pause there. On your behalf means I've witnessed this guy in prison Go from a slave that steals to a pastor that ministers. On your behalf means he is equal with you, Philemon. Trust me. Let's continue. On your behalf, during my imprisonment for the gospel, verse 14, but I prefer to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion, but out of your own accord. We know that the Bible says, for it is better to obey than to sacrifice. God does not want a forced tithe. God does not want you to feel, I have to come to church. Don't come at all. Sorry, that doesn't make sense. Come to church. (laughs) Edit that part out. (laughs) 
God wants you to be here. God wants your heart. God wants your love. God wants your attention. He wants your focus. One time I was told, if you love God 97%, he would be jealous over that last three. Do you understand that? That's how jealous God is. He wants you. He doesn't want compulsion. He doesn't want forced love. He wants love. He wants you to be in a relationship with Him, right? So He's saying that your goodness will not be forced, but the goodness, right, would be out of your own accord. Verse 15, For this perhaps is why He was parted from you for a while, that you might have Him back forever. No longer as a bondservant. Let's just put in slave in there, because that's what that is. No longer as a slave, but more than a slave, as a brother. Especially to me, how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. I want to say a few things before I end. Um, As a broad aspect of this, I want you to know going forward, because we live in America, and in America there was a time period where Abraham Lincoln existed, and when there was a civil war that was fought over this. And there was people, they were called abolitionists. Abolitionists were individuals who purposefully sought to go down to the south to kidnap slaves, bring them to the north, and to give them freedom. That was their job. And the verses they used was Philemon. Why? Because in Christ, slave and master are equal. You see that? Paul's saying, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, as a brother. Right? And the last thing is this. Before Paul even got to a point of saying, hey, do this for me. Man, he ministered to Philemon in every need that he needed. You want to change the world? You got to change yourself. You got to get to a point when you say, I'm going to go and do the toughest. Right? I'm going to go do the hard part. No, listen, you don't go in that crawl space. I got it. No, 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 you don't do the extra paperwork. I got it. No, you don't do that. I got it. I'm going to make my life difficult. Why? Because I'm going to put myself in a place where I can be the leader that you need so that I can minister to you and that I can bring change to this world. If Paul would have never have become a prisoner, Onesimus would have never had become a brother. You see that? Last thing. Verse 15, For this perhaps is why he was parted from you for a while. Paul at the beginning says, I'm a prisoner for Jesus, right? God is sovereign. This is happening because of God, right? And then he says, hey, Philemon stole from you and he ran away. And he says, the reason probably for that is probably so that Onesimus would be able to breathe free. Man, isn't that something? I want to remind you of this verse in Romans. It says, for all things work together for the good of those who love God. And are called according to his purposes. Amen. Why don't we uh, when we pray, when we stand, and when we uh, give this moment for the Lord in worship. Father, we do thank you. We come before you, Lord, in a in a reverent moment, God.